Protestants worship God through their spirit-filled worship services, fellowship, and Bible studies. Catholics worship God through their beautiful cathedrals, liturgies, and sacred traditions. As Protestants and Catholics, we worship the same God, we just do it a little differently. But that's no reason to behave like prideful little children in the Father's house who fight over who God loves more just because he gave us different colored rooms. For there is no distinction between Jews and Gentiles, and there is no distinction between Protestants and Catholics. The same Lord is Lord of all, and is generous to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We are all God's children, but the enemy has us distracted and divided against ourselves. Meanwhile, he's destroying our families and robbing our children of their future. But it doesn't have to end this way. If we want to beat the enemy, Protestants and Catholics must join forces. But how? Stop talking about how we are different and start talking about how we are the same. We are all the same in our struggles. We are all broken and we all need a savior named Jesus. There are 120 million Protestants and Catholics in America. Imagine if we stopped fighting each other and started fighting the enemy and his evildoers. Imagine if we all pointed in the same direction, back towards God. Imagine if we started voting for laws that align with God's laws. What would happen? We believe that God's hand of protection and favor would heal our land and bring us back to one nation under God. We like this idea so much, we created Broken Catholic, the number one podcast in the world for Protestants and Catholics. Now close your eyes and take a listen as everyday Christians share shocking before and after stories of how they resisted or cooperated with God's plan for their lives and what happened next. Grab your pen and paper because in the next few minutes, you're going to learn how to increase your faithfulness, your fruitfulness, and your fulfillment in God's kingdom. Let's go. Today, my featured guest is Dr. Erica Gray. She's co-founder of Toolbox Genomics. She has a PharmaD from University of California at San Francisco and has worked as a pharmacist at a level one trauma center in both the inpatient pharmacy and the emergency room. Her experiences in the emergency room of seeing the terrible manifestation of chronic diseases and in helping patients understand their biomarkers in relationship to their health has paved the way for her co-founding her business Toolbox Genomics. You can find her at toolboxgenomics.com, toolboxgenomics.com. She was on my other show, Your First 100K. We talked all things business. She runs a seven-figure business. She's a rock star. Um, and in full disclosure, she's also one of my spiritual coaching clients as well. So I just want to put that out there for you. And I wanted to bring on the show today to talk all things spiritual, to talk about what has God been doing in her life from early days, from her childhood, all the way up to present day, and what is he calling her to do now? And as well as we're going to speak maybe a little bit about business. How does she bring God into her business? Because many of us that are believers, we struggle with this. We live bipolar Christian lives. Let's be real. We leave God at the doorstep of our business, and then we meet him again at church on Sunday. And I think there's a better way. So, Dr. Erica Gray, welcome to Broken Catholic. Go ahead and fill in some of the gaps in that intro, would you? Thank you so much for that intro, Joseph. Yeah, so uh, filling in some of those gaps. Um, let's, let's go back uh, into childhood. So um, as a child, I grew up with God being present in my life, but my parents, uh, Catholics, 
who baptized both my sister and I were really struggling with some of the ways that they were raised. As children, my father went um, to Catholic school and will still tell us to this day of how the nuns um, wrapped his knuckles um, with rulers because he didn't pay attention. And so my parents struggled um, with that idea of you just follow God obediently with no questioning and, and um, my paternal grandparents really embraced that. My maternal grandfather, I found out later, was an atheist. Um, and so very interesting, you know, of course, you uncover that later in life. And I just figured in, as a child, well, they just, they're all believers in God. And you know, that's just, that was kind of how I grew up. Um, and my mother encouraged me to start going to church with my father just to get exposure when I was younger. Um, so I went to a couple different churches and it was interesting, but it wasn't, again, there wasn't a consistency to it. But my aunt and uncle are um, really, really hardcore Christians and they have six children. And so every time I would go and visit them, I would troop, troop along with them to Sunday school. And my uncle was always incredibly inviting and really um, integrated God and all levels of spirituality into life. Um, and so I grew up with that and in that environment. And so I always felt that God was loving, God was supportive. You turn to God in times of difficulties, but you praise him for the successes. Um, and it was interesting seeing how my different cousins, you know, what paths they ended up taking personally as well. You know, some completely um, turned away from God and then came back. But I would say on, on the whole, all five out of the six have really come back around and, and lead very spiritually rich lives. And for me, it's always been a, a, a bit of a struggle. I've always wanted God in my life. I feel it's super important for us to have a higher being that pulls us to a higher level of ability, of what we can do, really pull us out of ourselves, as Joseph likes to say, let's check the ego, let's remove it completely. And I think that's what God does. It really, like, he's, his whole goal is to pull us higher and give us something to aspire to. And I really didn't appreciate that um, until I was 19 and I had the opportunity to go to France and I walked into Notre Dame Cathedral and saw the stained glass windows and these massive, massive um, cathedral ceilings. Mm. And to realize that people built this church for the glory of God in a time that you know, they don't have modern technology. It took them forever. And it was gorgeous. It really, really was awe-inspiring. And then I went to a service and they had incense. You saw the light come through the stained glass windows and illuminate the altar. There was organ music. So it, and I was really taken. And I told my mom about it afterwards. And I didn't realize how much more spiritual she was than she had let on. And she really said, you know, the whole goal of mass was to appeal to all the senses, everything was engaged and it, it isn't just one well, just going to the pastor because I need to know you know you can smell it you can hear it you can feel it because it's an experience it's a transformative experience 
And I think that the thing that has been difficult, so the, incredible, the thing that's been difficult for me subsequent to that is finding a place where I feel that full immersion of transformation to happen on a regular basis. I haven't found any churches where I was had my breath taken away. Mm. And so God took a back seat. Yeah, I, I hate to say it, but that that is what happened. Never, not ever closing the door, not ever saying he does, he's not a part of my life, but I didn't know how to bring him in and integrate him until I had my, my spiritual boot camp with Joseph. <laughs> wow. Um, I just learned some details about you I didn't know. And uh, I really like what you said as far as describing the, the church, that cathedral, and how back then people used to create such beauty with their bare hands. And some of them dedicated half their life or their full life or the remainder of their life to building that one part of that church. That's right. Um, we, look at, we look at Michelangelo, right, in the Sistine Chapel, and it was like the last six or 12 years of his life. He was on his back on a scaffold doing the Sistine Chapel. Like giving giving what God gave to him back to God. And I really like what, what you're saying there, because when I thought of the church, you're describing the church so well, I was thinking, wow, we don't make churches like that anymore, right? We don't. And the Bible says that our bodies, our physical bodies, uh, we are temples of the Holy Spirit, right? We're temples of God. We house God within our hearts. And look, some of us are walking around, very few of us, I would say, are walking around looking as beautiful as that cathedral, giving our entire life in glory to God. Uh, in the Catholic tradition, as you know, growing up, these are what we call saints, people that lived very holy lives. And they turned their life into a cathedral to glorify God with, with stained glass, the beauty all their senses, all five senses given back to God. Um, and I think today, most of us find ourselves with like little uh, cottages, you know, as far as our own <laughs> temples, or mine is probably a trailer in a trailer <laughs> park somewhere. <laughs> Not a cathedral, right? To, to say the least. And, and some of us have small houses, others have some larger houses. And, and I'm just using these as imagery for what is your uh, your temple, who you are, the life God gave you, um, what does it look like right now? What is the current state? Because it's handmade, meaning God made you, but then you get to recreate it or co-create it back to God. What do you want to do with it, right? And uh, so anyway, thank you for that. that. That's just some really cool imagery. All right, here's what I want to ask. Um, what is... No, no, actually, I don't want to ask that yet. Uh, if you were being 100% transparent right now, Erica, and I know you are and you do, in what area of your life do you still struggle to trust God and to keep him in the front seat and even more risky to put him in the driver's seat rather than leave him in the back seat, like you said? I would say it's... It's at decisions. So you know, one of the things that I remember Joseph told me during our coaching was 
this um, client that he had who always started every meeting by surrendering to God and, and not taking any steps without God's running it by God, essentially. And I, you know, just in that question, I thought, well, shoot, in a lot of those big questions, I don't stop and say, God, what should I do in this situation? I just say, hey, I'm, I've got a brain. I'm going to, you know, go for it. When I get to a crossroads, now I feel that I'm much better about bringing it to God and saying, now what do I do? But I would say that when it comes to decision-making, I, I have gotten so used to relying on myself that I'm not good at surrendering that process and, and, and returning it back to God and saying, what should I do here? Or, or, or better yet, um, asking the right questions so he can give me the best insight or the best help because I found out very quickly that I was excellent at asking huge open-ended questions of God versus, and then saying, well, I didn't, I got an ambiguous answer, or I, I didn't really, it wasn't helpful. I think that's a very common thing that um, we hear, and, and Joseph really did a great job in helping me understand that, that if you ask a half-assed kind of wimpy question, you're going to kind of get a half-assed wimpy answer back that's going to leave you unfulfilled. And now you're going to say, well, God didn't help me because clearly, the, you know, X plus Y does e equal Z versus really saying, this is what I'm struggling with. How, how do I make a decision about this one situation and really be very specific? And it reminds me of, of my husband because I'll ask him something. He goes, can you be any more vague? And, and that's his little nudge for me of you're asking me such an open-ended question. I don't even, I can't even possibly formulate an answer to you that's going to help you. And I think that is what we do in our lives. And it's something that I, I struggle with. I'm just, I'm not very good at it. I need to keep practicing and working at it. Um, but also learning how to do that, that whenever there's a big question, I just stop. Okay, God, how, well, how do I handle this? But again, also asking the right question. Mm. You bring up such an a important point of the way we pray uh, determines the way God answers. And the way we ask the questions determines what type of answer we get from him. So when we pray vague and general prayers, we get general answers back from God. And you put it very well, they're kind of useless, those answers. They don't really help us. But when we start to get specific, and God loves when we get specific, because specific is more personal, it's more intimate. And, and when we get specific with God, he gets specific with us and we get what we're looking for. So do you have an example of uh, something you were praying about that was vague? And then when you got specific, you got this specific answer from God. Do you have something you could share with us? So, I, well, actually, I remember um, in one of our coaching sessions, Joseph said for me to surrender if I felt it was appropriate to surrender the business to God and then ask what my, um, what he wants, where, what direction he wants to take the business. And so I, I did that and I dutifully did it in my holy hour. And I felt very 
underwhelmed with the response because I just said, Father, what would you like to do with the business? And that's akin to asking my husband, can you pick that thing up? Um, because it's so open-ended. But when I said, Father, how do I handle this situation with our CEO and what steps should I take? Then I got much more specific, again, gently veiled, um, but the suggestions were, were more pointed. Okay. That's good. That's helpful. And I, I know in my own business, you know, I've gotten those, I, get, I got specific after I was vague for too long and not getting an answer from God and then making God wrong about it when in fact it was me. And God's like, son, ask what you want. I'm like, oh, okay. And then I asked specifically, oh, you know, here's the thing, blah, blah, blah. What do I do about this specific thing? And then the answer was very specific. However, sometimes I like the word you use. Sometimes the answers God gives back to us in prayer are veiled. Um, they're, they're specific answers, but uh, there's something held back from them in a way. They're veiled. Uh, they're not fully revealed yet. And what I've learned just in my walk and, and working with you know, my coaching clients is that God only gives us what we can handle right now at this moment. And sometimes he doesn't give us the full answer that we asked for because we're not ready to receive it yet. We start to clean up some things in our life. Does that make sense, Erica? It does. And I, I would actually take it to another step, which okay. is, you know, with a child, a three-year-old, the way you would speak to them is very different from how you would speak to a teenager or to an adult. So if we, and I, I think we touched upon this in our coaching as well, is that, you know, if you are in your spiritual infancy, what God is going to reveal to you may feel infantile, truly, because you're, you don't, you're not equipped to handle it. But I think it's also veiled because part of it is you need to do the work. You know, he's not going to hand it to you on a silver platter and say, there you go all done. Now go execute. You know, you've got to wrestle with it and still figure some things out, but he's given you the direction or the light or the guidance that you need to take that next step. And it may so, only just be a next step. That's so good. And what comes to mind is something we do right in our coaching forgiveness phone calls. And, and uh, that's definitely an, a spiritual exercise where you got to go do the work, right. And go ask that person, um, for forgiveness, maybe it's been five years, 10 years or whatever. And, and God gives you the specific answer. Like when I ask, Hey God, what's, what's blocking me right now from the calling you put on my life. And then boom, I get the specific answer. Oh, go call up John from 10 years ago and ask him to forgive you. Like God answered very specifically. Now I had to do the bleeping work of calling up John, humbling my ego, eating my dirt humble pie, uh, putting myself out there for rejection from John to not forgive me and say, screw you, dude. You, I don't want anything. Right. And it, it was just like, we sometimes when God answers specifically, there's still, we have to go do the work to get that, that what we're looking for. Right. This way. is not a magic wand, Disney no, fairy tale. No, it's not. No, it's not. Okay. So what's the number one uh, daily habit that you use uh, to continue to grow spiritually from a spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity? Uh, my daily holy hours. So that involves 
um, sitting in solitude and uh, asking various questions of God and then writing down the answers. And initially when I, at, at one point, I thought I was getting really good at this. And so we were just having verbal conversations. And Joseph said, no, 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 you got to write the whole thing down. Like everything, you write down your question and you write down the answer. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. You know, and the journal entries went from one page, like seven, eight pages, because there, there was so much more. But one of the things that I found was um, sometimes during inclement weather, I would sit inside and, and do holy hour. And it was just a disaster because I was constantly distracted. I did, couldn't get in the zone. And I actually found that being outside was as close as I could get to some of those feelings I had in the Notre Dame Cathedral because yes. the sky, the birds, the, the rain, you know, so all of the senses, and it would help keep me focused much more so than being inside, like, has it been five minutes? Yeah, okay. Ugh. And then, you know, inevitably somebody's going to walk in without realizing it. And I just found that everyone knew if I went outside, they left me alone until I, I came inside. And yes, it was cold. It did get down to 35 some days, and I sat outside in a sleeping bag. So <laughs> I, I so like what you created there, right? When you were saying, you know, I would go outside because it's the closest thing I, uh, in nature, when I'm in nature, it's the closest feeling to when I was in the Notre Dame uh, Cathedral, Notre Dame. Um, you know, I'm, th I'm, I'm imagining, well, nature is the cathedral of God. Exactly. Right? It's got the stained glass. It's got the sun pouring in. It's got the breeze. It's, it's the, like our home is when we're inside, it's all man-made. And then we go out into nature and it's God made and we're just in awe and we're inspired and it raises our spirit to that higher place of worship and quiet and listening to God. So thank you for sharing that and the daily holy hour. That's been the game changer for all my coaching clients, including my own life. And uh, that, that intimacy with, with God is irreplaceable. Um, okay. So next question is, uh, how do you bring God into your business? You spoke a little bit about it um, as far as in your decision-making. Is there any other way you bring God into your business with the people you work with, with your coworkers? So this, that's, that's another struggle. Um, I haven't yet. It has just given what I know about some of them spiritually. Uh, it, I haven't, it's been something I've been wrestling with. How do I set that up? And there have been moments where people say, oh, where'd you get that idea? And I said, oh, it was my daily holy hour. And, you know, so I leave it at that. Do they ever like jump in and go, what the heck's a daily holy hour? They kind of go, oh. Uh, no, it has, because I'm probably not saying it often enough to wow. sample the crowd. Yeah. Um, but... I would just think if someone said that to me, I'd be like, uh, I would stop. Holy what? Would, <laughs> what does this mean? Exactly. Like, that's not something you hear every day. I'd be like, what are you doing? Tell me about that. That's interesting. Uh, so, and then also being actually making a conscientious effort to share within the family, the insights that I've received that mm. these are coming from God. And I think really it's just, it's a mindset shift. It's changing how, incorporating that God language into my life more. And I think I'm just not, I'm not comfortable with it 
even though I'm internally I am, um, and some would argue, well, if you're truly comfortable with it, you would share it, doesn't matter where, there wouldn't be a filter. Um, but I think it just in today's society, it's uh, unfortunately I've learned to abide by, abide by some of the- uh, uh, The PC laws. PC laws, yes. <laughs> so, so I also would challenge back and say, um, you know, sometimes you're, you're, you're still growing. You're still in spiritual infancy, spiritual adolescence, et cetera. When you get to spiritual maturity, which you're on the way to, then is the right time to share because you're coming from a place of solid rock, rock solid foundation where you're unshaken. So I, I do think a lot of people, especially new converts, uh, they go out and start evangelizing prematurely mm -hmm. um, before they've actually spent the time with God, letting God truly evangelize them. They have the comeback to Jesus moment, the altar call, they're crying, they accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. It's fantastic. It's emotional. It's awe-inspiring. They get baptized. It's great. And then they run out and try to convert everybody without ever spending 40 days in the wilderness with their mm. Heavenly Father, learning who they are, who He is, learning what's their mission, what's their calling, what's their purpose. See, this is the step we like to skip. Because then we want to run out and start fixing others because we finally <laughs> get to see all their deformities, even though a month ago we were in their same place. And now somehow we make them wrong. What hypocrisy. I've done it myself, so I could speak firsthand authentically. All right, uh, Dr. Erica, we're speaking with Dr. Erica Gray. You can find her at toolboxgenomics.com, toolboxgenomics.com. Um, and I'm having a great conversation with you. Time is flying by, but I do want to get for our audience, what are your top three tips or spiritual insights that they can apply in their life, especially right now when we're bunkered down in our, in our homes and everything? Uh, what can we be doing to really set ourselves up for um, something better, something more, God's plan for our life when we come out of this whole pandemic? What are your top three spiritual insights for BC Nation? I would say God is everywhere. And I think it is so easy for us to attribute an opportunity, a moment, a phone call to coincidence when it really is God trying to speak to you. And I think the more that you can start articulating that gift that came to you as a gift from God, you will be more aware of the presence of God in your life. Um, just, I, I, you know, even if it is, um, you know, it's like I got an article published. Wow. How did I get picked out of all of these people? Well, God had a plan for it. Amazing. I, um, so that, that would be one. The other one is God speaks through people. And I really didn't appreciate this until I had done my coaching with Joseph and I would go to my husband with difficulties in the business. And he just provided unbelievable suggestions. It was so focused. It was so concrete. And I even looked at him and said, you know, is this new? Did you, are these newfound skills or where did these come from? He goes, well, they've been there all along. So which means to me says it's God speaking th through him to me to really help me get the answers that I need because it, it was a crisis moment. And I think the third thing is that in the grand scheme of things, we are always being tested. 
and there were we I really felt as a nation, as a world, we were at a point of unbelievable complacency. And I think there was a lot of disconnect from what we said we wanted versus what we were actually doing. Mm. And this pandemic has been an opportunity for us to really re-examine what is important, what is valuable to us, what matters, and what is it that we want to continue after this, after we, we come out of the, sh the shelter in place. And I really think that for those people who are open and willing to listen, uh, I really hope that they realize that God really does want to help with their families and help keep them intact and help move them to the next level. And now that they're not running all around and distracted by everything, they actually have an opportunity to hear that and receive it. Mm, that's so good. For all those of you listening right now, maybe a month ago, uh, it's been about three and a half weeks, right? A month. So about a month ago, you were saying you don't have enough time to sit quietly with God. Guess what? None of us believe you anymore. <laughs> we can't. The evidence is all around us. We all have time right now. God forced it on us. Time to sit with what matters. Time to ask the questions that matter. Time to think about what matters like death, eternity, God, your family. How's it going? Is it working? Is it not working? These are the things you now get to sit with. And what a gift from God. I agree with you, Erica. What a gift from God. We were so complacent, lazy too. Right, but complacent, really just taking credit. Look at what we've done in the world. Look at what we've created. And we were denying God the credit. So what does God do? He says, okay, you great super little mini gods, smite, you know, the strip. He just strips away and shows us how frail we are. Now we're all like running around like little pieces of glass going, oh my gosh, don't touch me. Don't touch me. I may break. And God is showing us our humanity and reminding us that he is God. We are not. He is our father and we are loved by him. What a gift. And Dr. Erica is so right. So listen, give God credit for all those little coincidences in your life that you've been taking credit for or giving credit to the universe or some random energy. And really understand that coincidences are merely God choosing to remain anonymous because he's humble like that. And then her number two, Erica says, is God speaks through other people. So you may want to look at what's your part in it. If you're not hearing God speaking through other people, how are you blocking? How are you talking too much possibly? I'm speaking to myself right now. <laughs> and then, uh, again, sit with what matters. Take this time right now during the pandemic to really prepare yourself to create a future and a life that you absolutely love, BC Nation. Make sure God's at the center of it and uh, spend some time with him as Dr. Erica does. Dr. Erica, thank you for being on Broken Catholic. But before we go, welcome to my favorite part of the show. Welcome to the confession round. I'm going to... <laughs> You like that, right? As uh, being raised Catholic. That's all right. I'm going to ask you 10 quick fire questions. You have about three seconds to answer each. Don't overthink. It's just for fun. Are you ready? I'm ready. What's your least favorite thing? Uh, what's your most favorite thing about God? Awe. The awe he brings. That's cool. What's your least favorite thing about God? 
figuring out the, the, the evil in the world. How do you mean that? Uh, like why it exists, why he yes. allows it? Yes, Got the it. duality. Yeah. What are you most afraid of? Uh, not getting to spend, not, not living a life, a fulfilling life with my children and my husband. Mm, good. What did you spend way too much time doing in your twenties? <laughs> studying. Studying. Got it. I believe we're all struggling with something at any given moment of our life. What are you struggling with right now? Spiritually, um, uh, personally, uh, uh, professionally, what are you struggling with? Uh, so spiritually, I think you know, we, can, we touched on a lot of those. Just um, right now in my life, you know, our business has taken a hit. And uh, trying, making sure that I'm making time to go forward and get us to the next level, but also relishing this time with my family. And so mm. not overcommitting myself. Uh, I, I hear a lot of people saying that they're working harder than they've ever worked. And I'm trying to do game night with the family at night. That's so good. And, and I think they're missing the whole point of what God just allowed in the world. We should be resting harder than we've ever rested before in our life and spending that time with family. I love it. Um, what, what did you, uh, what do you wish you had learned sooner about God? Uh, that he really wants to help people and really does want to speak to everybody. Uh, we're just so blocked. We can't see it, hear it, feel it. Got it. Uh, what secret fear do you have about people? People in general or just? Mm -hmm. In relation to you, you in relation to them. That I will not meet their expectations. Got that. What's a new habit you want to form? Oh, uh, putting my clothes away consistently when they come out of the laundry. Got it. I like that. What's a bad habit you want to break? Not getting up, not when I get up in the morning, not putting on my bathrobe first thing, but actually getting dressed. Got it. Pick three words to describe who you are now. Uh, compassionate. thrilled and giving you're the first person to ever say thrilled that's a good one pick three words to describe who you were before you uh took god out of the backseat of your life and put him in the driver's seat frustrated overwhelmed unfulfilled mm, got that and last question if you could come back to life after you died look your husband your kids your whole family in the eye and give them only one piece of advice about life, eternity, everything. What would you say to them? Uh, it's only hard in the moment, but in hindsight, you will realize that everything that seemed impossible was actually doable. You just need to find the path. That's really good. Any final wisdom? What's the one thing you want my listeners to know about having a relationship and spending time with God versus not? We all 
talk about how busy we are, that we want more time for self-reflection, meditation, whatever it is you, you put there, but you never, no one ever makes the time for it. And dedicating that hour in the morning with a holy hour actually ticks all the boxes, which is pretty darn cool. It is. Man, it's a good investment of time. All right, what's the best way for BC Nation to get in touch with you if they so choose or find out what you're up to, what you got? You can email me directly at erica at toolboxgenomics.com. If you're interested in what we do from a genetic perspective, check out toolboxgenomics.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at the Gene Whisperer. Um, or if you're interested in learning more about just what genetics do in your body, we also have a newsletter you can subscribe to on our Toolbox Genomics uh, webpage. I love it. So if someone's listening right now and they're going through, they live in chronic pain, would they be someone that should reach out to you? Absolutely. I'd love to help them. That's so cool. Erica, thank you for being on Broken Catholic. I wish you God's love, peace, and joy in your life, girl. Thank you, Joseph. It was great to be on. Have you tried absolutely everything and nothing has worked? Have you tried therapy? Have you tried coaching? Have you tried counseling, Christian counseling? Nothing's worked for you, for your spouse. You just want better communication. When you wake up, do you feel like you want to crawl under a rock? in the morning time is your brain so scattered and foggy at this point that you're not following through with things you're not keeping your word in the matter you're letting people down maybe your own spouse or kids do you have way too much on your plate and you're getting more and more frustrated which is turning into anger are you battling addictions right now are you an amped up or frantic person with a lot of anxiety and you're off and on of bipolar and depression medicines if any of these you connect with then what I do is specifically this. I do not do therapy. I do not do counseling. Those are for people that want to talk about their problems or learn different ways to cope and manage their problems. I don't do that. Reach out to me if you want to get rid of your problems permanently. Like be done with the addiction. Be done with the medications. Be done with the escaping your life because you just feel so powerless in it. If you want those results and you want peace, it's what we all want. We're all chasing it. We had it as kids, we lost it. Life beat the crap out of us. If you want peace, that's what I sell. It's God's peace. So you can find that at josephwarren.net. You can schedule a call with me, complimentary. I'll contribute 30 minutes of my time into your life. We'll get clear on what you actually want. Then we'll see if we're, we want to work together. And that's me interviewing you to see if you're ready. Are you ready to do what it takes? Some people try to come to me, but they're not ready to be coachable. They're not ready to get rid of the problems. Again, if you don't want to talk about your problems anymore and you've tried everything and nothing has worked and you want to permanently get rid of them, go to josephwarren.net and let's see if I'm your guy.